What you're about to hear is the fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Featuring Pat and Scoot today. Great to have you with us. I uh, got to tell you about uh, some... <laughs> was this entrapment or what was going on on January 6th? Uh, cops have been caught encouraging the mob to enter the Capitol building. It's on tape. Uh, we'll tell you about that and uh, much more coming up in 60 seconds. On 9-11, 2,977 people lost their lives on what turned out to be one of America's darkest days. A generation later, you'd hardly know it happened at all, at least if you tried to find out about it in school. The Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute aims to change that by educating kids from kindergarten age all the way up to 12th grade about what happened that day. Their nonfiction first-person accounts are available both as videos and in the Discovering Heroes book series. They are deeply moving, amazing accounts, and your kids will never forget them. The Institute is offering full curriculum units with scripted social studies lessons, activities, and backgrounds for teachers, plus a speakers bureau for classrooms with access to 9-11 first responders, survivors, and loved ones. And don't forget the mobile exhibit as well, a tractor trailer that is an interactive museum of 9-11 artifacts, plus scholarships for exceptional students preparing uh, who have, you know, began prepping, uh, prepping for college. It is really uh, an amazing list of things that they do. Uh, never forget, uh, we must educate future generations about 9-11. Let's help our nation honor its vow. Uh, donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. T, the number 2, T.org. It's T2T.org for Tunnel to Towers. I'll tell you about this uh, January 6th development in a minute. But uh, also, a survey finds that 75%, three out of four Princeton students, think it's okay to shout down speakers who appear uh, at the university. About 43% said it's acceptable to block other students from attending talks they disagree with. (laughs) These are big time First Amendment uh, free speech activists. Oh yeah, sounds like it. Mm -hmm. Even more disturbingly, Perhaps 16% support the use of violence to stop a controversial speaker. Wow. Uh, responding, weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I don't, I've never yeah. had that instinct. Have you? No. Have you ever tried no. to silence someone from speaking? I can't no. even, I don't even understand no. it. Like, I, I mean, maybe it's because we're always looking for content and I want dumb people saying dumb <laughs> things. So maybe that's it. I don't know. But uh, I, well, I it goes I against, think, it's un-American. I mean, it's just un-American. Why? Yeah. Why do you have to shut them down? You don't let them speak and then counter what they said with what you believe. Yeah, a lot of stuff happens on on the internet that I disagree with. They, people say all sorts of bad things. I don't want them to be silenced over it. It's like I don't know. It, just, it seems like such a pathetic way of looking at things. It's like you're just admitting mm-hmm. your argument sucks. Yeah, absolutely. And forty eight percent of them said a speech that uses discriminatory language or that a group finds offensive or that they find offensive should not be allowed. Okay, that is completely contrary to the First Amendment because, the, as Glenn has pointed out many times, the only kind of speech you need to protect is speech that other people don't like, right? I mean, if everybody agrees with it, nobody's going to try to shut it down. Mm-hmm. Of course you can say it. If you only do happy talk, well, uh, naturally that's allowed. But do we do we have the guts to allow somebody to speak 
who uh, we disagree with or we find offensive. And who's deciding what's offensive and what isn't and if you it should be allowed. Uh, really amazing. And this is at an Ivy League institution. Tyrion Steinbach, the school's Dean of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. Oh, God. <laughs> you no, talk about just the title we, is enough. We talk about all the time presidents saying, like, we've created these jobs. It's like they have created a lot of jobs. Yeah, they, they just have. don't have any economic <laughs> impact other than sucking the life out of our society. But like all these DEI experts and speakers and, you know, anti-racist this and, mm-hmm. you know, CRT that. All those people, these are all just fake jobs. They're jobs that don't mean anything. They don't create anything. Mm-hmm. They just destroy. 40% of these students said a sports team should be able to suspend a student with views others find offensive. <laughs> what? So they're going to love this uh, Blue Jays thing. Mm. Sure uh, they will. Let's see. I already told you 16% support violence to stop a speaker. say it's okay to block other students from attending something they disagree with. And 76% said it's sometimes acceptable to stop a campus speaker by shouting over them. Hmm. I think this is where these things happen a lot because it's like sometimes acceptable. I don't know. Like, I would say probably, I would say no to that, right? Mm -hmm. Instinctively, I would say almost never is that okay. I don't know. If someone comes in and they're doing... If it's from the KKK, mm-hmm. uh, like, uh, uh, you know, Hitler's reincarnation is out there giving a speech. Okay. And uh, you can make, make some arguments there, but it's pretty rare, pretty rare uh, that that would ever be the case. And even then, like, it's it's always better to win uh, an argument than to yell over it. I uh, would say so. Just yeah. win. Stop. They can't. They can't. They haven't been taught how to deal with that. And they haven't been expected to even deal with it. Instead... You know, they're given um, cry spaces to where if they heard something that disturbed them, they can go and cry about it rather than defend their own position. Uh, 56% said they would be very or somewhat uncomfortable expressing their views on a controversial topic in class, and they won't, 70% won't disagree with the professor in class. So this shows you a lot about what's going on in our college and university system. I mean, they're just, they're being hammered with this stuff, and they're not. They're not disagreeing with it. They're they're afraid to disagree with it. Survey shows more needs to be done because most students neither support or understand free speech. Yeah, uh, I'd say that's a that's pretty evident from this particular survey. Uh, last May, a Princeton class classics professor claimed he was fired for opposing clearly racist and illegal demands from fellow faculty members after George Floyd's death. Uh, He alleged that he was fired for publicly criticizing a number of anti-racist demands, some of them clearly racist and illegal. In a Wall Street op-ed, Princeton said he'd been fired after he failed to be straightforward uh, in a misconduct probe. Sure. Okay. I mean, and we just talked about Anthony Bass, who sort of expressed uh, himself online and apologized profusely for it was fired anyway and really actually didn't express i mean he, yeah, he legitimately really just reposted something else that someone <laughs> said about getting rid of uh, target from your lives for a while you know and then apologized profusely still cut 
mm-hmm. still cut. And it's funny yeah, because not enough. I listened to, as I mentioned, the, a lot of the Blue Jays coverage, and like their complaints on Bass were that about, about the Blue Jays. I mean, almost exclusively, people were complaining that the Blue Jays didn't fire him. That's that was the complaint. Wow. Because they didn't make him. A, wow. A, that statement he made initially, mm-hmm. they didn't have any reporters there for questions. <clears throat> and they were saying basically the Blue Jays were protecting him. Like the, the whole perspective is totally upside down to what <clears throat> reality is. Right. Yeah. And they all. Yeah. They all were exactly walking in lockstep, man. As, as if they got a directive from above. Now, now that could have happened at any number of uh, American baseball teams. Totally. Too. Totally. But it's really bad in Canada right now. Things are yeah. bad there. Yeah, I think it's it's different because the there's no cultural undertone of pushback in Canada. Right. They, they don't. Mm-hmm. Ha- I mean, like we we have friends uh, up up in Canada who work in conservative media and have been the lone voices mm-hmm. in Canada for a long time uh, 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 over these issues. Um, but like when you step back from that, there's not. It's not a situation here where you have to worry about it right Mm -hmm. you'll get you'll get these conservative organizations that will publish stories that you don't like but there's not like 50 percent of the country that is pretty conservative there's just not i mean i you know it's it's whatever it is it's and it's not very they're not loud up there often of course most canadians aren't um but here look as much as we sometimes feel like everything's against us as conservatives we do have a voice here and we do Mm. make a difference Mm -hmm. and we change things all the time you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're not helpless victims here. Yeah. You know, we we are able to do things and, and push back. We don't win all those culture war battles, but we win a lot of them. Another story from Canada. Uh, superintendent Superintendents at an Ottawa school board sent an email to all staff saying that they start that they need to start the next school year using they them pronouns for all students. OK, mm. even if I guess the student isn't using they them pronouns. But that's until told their preferred pronouns. It's also said teachings about LGBTQ identities should be embedded in the overall learning environment and are not open to debate or selective participation. So you can't opt out and you can't disagree and we're going to decide what you're being taught. Wow. The intention was to suggest some actions that can be taken during Pride Month and beyond to promote inclusivity and belongings in our school. Okay. Uh, Wow. They did not respond, though, directly to the question as to whether the suggested actions extend to all age groups, including using they, them for kindergarten students. Hmm. A kindergarten teacher told the Epic Times that she received the email, but has not yet been instructed in any staff meetings or elsewhere to act upon it. I, I mean, it's this is sweeping the planet, and uh, Canada's probably just a little bit ahead of us, but we're going down that same road. The diversity, inclusivity, equity thing is has taken root here, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to they're going to continue this just isn't enough and it's not stopping and so unless we stand up and say something about it stand up and oppose it we're just going to be trampled by it uh that seems to be what's happening right now and that that's why you know yeah pride month so prevalent this year is it just me or is it more prevalent this year 
than it's ever been in the past. It definitely does seem more prevalent. Um, I think part of that is to do with the sort of high profile boycott sort of, uh, you know, stories that came out in the time leading up to Pride Month, Mm -hmm. right? I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times, like, you know, the thing that always hits me on this one is I'm watching the NFL and then one weekend every year, everyone's wearing pink. And I'm like, oh, this is the Mm -hmm. breast month. This is the breast week. It's the breast cancer awareness week. Right. Now I'm very familiar. Like I'm aware of breast cancer. You are? Maybe there are some that aren't. Well, because Um, you've seen the pink shoes. Right. No, Uh, no, I knew about it before that. By the NFL players. (laughs) I knew about it before that. And look, they raise a bunch of money for breast cancer research, which is great. I'm happy about that. I, I wish they could do it in a way that... But it was not pink uniforms, frankly, but it's, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> and every every year it surprises me. I'm like, oh, gosh, is this the week again? They're wearing pink <laughs> socks in the middle of, why? But uh, my point there is that usually Pride Month sneaks up on me. I don't know it's coming and all of a sudden I just, everything's rainbow? Like, why? What is going on? Oh, it's Pride Month. This year, because of the Bud Light thing largely, but also Target uh, maybe as secondarily, um, that all preceded the month and mm-hmm. we all knew this was coming. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know. I've had every company I've ever bought something from in the last 25 years still has my email address and they all email me their rainbow uh, you know, logos and tell me how prideful they are, which thought was one of the seven deadly sins, but I can't apparently you're bragging about that now. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really. In fact, it was supposed to be the worst of the seven <laughs> deadly sins. There you go. So, but it's not course it's but again, again this comes back time. to uh anthony bass's tweet or, or yeah. post where he s- says evil and demonic like the fact that we're promoting one of the seven deadly sins like you can see how a christian would get there right like <laughs> yeah. i mean i don't know it's not like a yeah. a massively large leap in the faith <laughs> right right hey forget the forget the because i don't even really frankly understand the tie between LGBTQQIA2 plus and pride. Other than the fact they just sort of adopted it. Like, I guess mm-hmm. we're now proud to be gay. We're no longer to be uh, mm-hmm. hiding it. Okay. And we want you to be proud of us too. Right. And we want you to, to, to promote, to support and c- celebrate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. But okay. Like, all right. I guess there's some loose tie there. But pride itself, like, have you noticed lately it's like happy pride? Mm-hmm. Is the way they phrase this, yeah. Which is doesn't make any sense. Like, what do you <laughs> what do you mean? Happy Pride Month might make sense. Happy Pride? What is that? It doesn't even make sense in English. And like again, we're promoting the deadliest of the seven deadly sins as a essentially a national holiday for a month. You don't think Christians would wake up to that a little bit and say, "Wait a minute, this is a little." Can we call it something else? Like, I don't <laughs> like what. This doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, I wouldn't mm-hmm. put it past them to have a lust month or a sloth month. Mm. I mean, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past our government to support that sort of stuff, but it would be strange. It would. I know, you wouldn't yeah, normally see would. that sort of thing. So I, I, I do think that it should probably connect to people that this is going on, but it does seem much more prominent this month. Pat and Stu for Glenn, more coming up in one minute. Let me tell you about Car Shield. You get health insurance for an important reason. The last thing you want on top of needing medical care It's knowing that you're going to pay through the nose for it. Well, the same applies to your car when the warranty runs out. Car repairs are expensive pretty much across the board, and you don't want to get stuck with a huge bill. With all the inflation going on, too, it's even worse than you probably imagined last time your car broke down. So get CarShield. CarShield offers affordable protection plans 
to fit every budget and covers more parts than ever before. You'll want them uh, when, of course, these costly repairs are needed. You also can count on CarShield to help take care of you when your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road. Every protection plan includes coast-to-coast roadside assistance, rental car options, and trip trip reimbursement at no extra cost. You can lock on your price today. It'll never go up. CarShield is dedicated to protecting what you drive. Get coverage today, 800-227-6100. And save 20% on your plan. Lock in your price. It will never go up. 800-227-6100. Or visit carshield.com slash Beck to save 20% today. 800-227-6100 or carshield.com slash Beck. 10 seconds, station ID. You know who Tyrese Gibson is? Yeah, an actor, right? Actor? Yeah. Yeah, he was on a podcast recently kind of talking about the things we've been sort of kicking around. He's calling out Hollywood here because they're just, he says there's two Americas. There's an America that's appalled when babies show up to pride events exposed to the private parts of adults. We had some photos of that that we uh, showed on my, man, some portions blurred. But, uh, I mean, there's a woman holding a baby, like, I don't know, one and a half, maybe two. And there's a guy bent over naked in front of him. Uh, uh, Hello? First of all, why did you bring the baby to this event? And why is this guy doing... I thought this was non-sexual stuff that was happening here. I thought this was family-friendly, all-ages-welcome sort of stuff. And then... You know, you see the sexual nature of it, and it doesn't really seem like it. But here's what uh, Tyrese Gibson had to say about what's going on in Hollywood. As much as I'm supposed to be promoting this movie and talking about my album, I just feel like we're in competition right now because they are trying to normalize the devil. They are trying to populate. The devil is, is on the main stage at award shows and in every video and yeah, man. signs and symbols. And I said, you know what? We need to stop treating our relationship with Jesus like the little buddy that you talk to before you go to bed at night and not be more vocal about all the things that God means to us and all of the things that God has brought us through. Because there's been a lot of moments that you didn't post about, Mm -hmm. but yet you know, how did God decide to get me through this? Yeah, man. And... Yeah, they going above and beyond to promote the devil. And it's pissing me off mm-hmm. because they, they used to devil worshipers used to be real secretive. Oh, like yeah. Going down in the basement, this <laughs> yeah, secret man. world. Now they just now like, they on the ah. device too. Yeah. Believe they, that. Yeah. Mm. You mean something like Brave promoting guy. one of the seven deadly sins is a month of your year? Mm, like would that yeah. describe what uh-huh. he's talking about? Perhaps. Perhaps, and I think he was talking about uh, the Target stuff, too, where, the, I mm-hmm. mean, it was openly Satanist stuff from this openly Satanist designer, and people are okay with it. How, when did this start? How did this happen? Mm. How can we possibly be doing this in a in a nation like ours where at least, I mean, what is the percentage? 75%, 78% of us are Christian, and now we, we accept the Satanism, that's okay, and we start promoting it? Very bizarre. Very, very strange. Very, very strange. I mean, and I think this is part of it too. Uh, you know, um, again, to go back to the Blue Jays one more time, I heard these people saying, hey, like, oh, I thought we were going to be all sexualized here on Pride Night looking around and everything looks fine. These reporters giving this sort of sarcastic message. And it's like, well, you know what? Probably weren't a lot of uh, 
uh, sex toys at the Blue Jays game for Pride Night. Why? Why? If they if someone showed up mm. with a necklace made out of sex toys like you see at these parades all the time, what would they have done at the security line? Would they have let them in? Of course, the answer to that is no, because mm. they know there'd be kids inside and it's not appropriate for a baseball mm. game. Yet you seem to be arguing it's appropriate for middle school. You seem to be arguing it's appropriate for toddlers. You seem to be arguing in every other context, it's totally fine. Yeah. Now, of course, the Blue Jays can make that decision because they're a major league franchise and they can keep people out that they don't want to keep out. But if those people showed up dressed like that, naked, in thongs, around <laughs> children, they wouldn't be allowed in the freaking stadium. <laughs> but I don't Are know. He's pride. It doesn't seem too sexual here inside the stadium at, at, the, at Pride Night at Toronto Blue Jays, the Rogers Center in Toronto. No surprise there. Because they controlled the crowd. Is that where you became a Canadian (laughs) sports star? Uh, uh, Yes, that was. And made that incredible catch. Incredible catch. One of the best catches in Major League history. uh, Made by (laughs) me. Look it up online. I'm on a lot of videos entitled Major League Baseball's Worst Fans. So check that out. Uh, You can always find me. I'm always on YouTube. I will never get kicked off of that, at least for YouTube. (laughs) The Glenn Beck Program. All right, so pain has gotten a little aggressive with you, has it? You get up in the morning, it's already kicking you around like a soccer ball, and it only gets worse as the day goes on. How does that feel? Not good. Not good. Nothing like the good old frequent debilitating pain to make you feel like doing nothing other than turning over in bed and going back to sleep. But of course, that's not the best option, is it? All it does is to allow the pain to continue to win. But if you're living with pain that has gotten aggressive with you, it's time to be aggressive back. May I recommend that you try Relief Factor. Relief Factor is available now. Three-week quick start, only $19.95. It's a trial pack. It's not a drug. It was developed by doctors. Hundreds of thousands of people have ordered Relief Factor. About 70% of them go on to order more. It's working for them. It can work for you. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Get the 1995 three-week quick start. Again, the uh, address is relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Relief Factor, feel the difference. You don't have to have pain on a day-to-day basis. Join the thousands of people who have been helped by Relief Factor at relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. It's relieffactor.com. Glenn Beck's Stupor Gear. Steve Dace, Chad Prather, and me, Pat Gray. Listen to all your favorite conservative voices at blazetv.com. Promo code Glenn. It's Pat and Stu for Glenn today. Uh, 888-727-BECK. You know, we complain uh, Mm. at times about Republicans in office not doing the things that we want them to do, not being as conservative as they they should be. I had noticed that. Yeah. uh, It happens every... I mean, it's few and far between Mm -hmm. among Republicans because we just don't complain. You know what I mean? No, never. But... Never. um, but you seem to think that there might be a solution to the complaint? Well, yeah, because huh. we can complain and complain and complain uh-huh. and, and be upset about who, you know, let's say, for example, senators who are voting the, you know, the wrong way on, on certain bills. And mm-hmm. they'd let us down all the time. And we complain about this all the time. Yeah, Lisa Murkowski, for instance. Yeah. And there's a lot of time to, com- we do it all the time when they're in office and they do it <laughs> over and over again. I would argue, though, Pat, mm-hmm. there is time to complain and there's time to actually do something about Hmm. this problem you can actually do something about this problem really if we don't pay attention like right now 
Mm. We will miss this opportunity for several more years. Okay. So right now is the time we're supposed to care. Not after Mm. these people have been elected and they have six year terms, but now, because right now we have a chance to primary Republican uh, senators who are in office who suck. Okay. Mm -hmm. But only if we work really hard to actually pick the right ones to primary. And also find good candidates to oppose them. Huh. But if you don't care, and then when it comes to the election time, you're like, oh, this guy's back on the ballot, and oh, man, he's not even running against anybody. What the heck? That is not the time to complain. Now is the time to think about this and get ahead of it, okay? All right. And I think that we do a very, we've done a very poor job at times as Republicans and conservatives in selecting which races to make the most impact. Right. For mm-hmm. example, we remember Mike Lee winning in a primary process, and we really improved our standing in the Senate. We went from a guy who was really moderate and not very good mm-hmm. to one of the best senators, I would argue the best senator in the Senate, yeah. Mike Lee. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And that was a massive improvement, and we've all noticed that improvement. Yet, here we are, still complaining about the same types of problems. So We got uh, Ted Cruz in Texas instead Ted Cruz. of, uh, what's his face, David uh, Dewhurst. Yes, a huge improvement. Huge. It made a massive difference in our country. Yeah, it did. That, that period was really successful, but that period was also <laughs> marred by misses, where mm-hmm. winnable races were tossed out the window because we tried to pick someone who was maybe more conservative, but not necessarily right for that particular state or whatever. And I think what we've done at times is either ignore this problem because they already have an R next to their name or just try to find someone more conservative and put them in whether they're going to win or not. So I thought this mm-hmm. is the time to look at this more systematically, right? Mm-hmm. So I came up with a little system here. I want to run this by you, okay? There's nine main uh, Republican senators who are running for uh, re-election coming up, okay. okay? And I rank them on a bunch of different categories, but the three main things that I thought were the determining factor here of how we should think about this is first of all, who's the most conservative, right? We Mm -hmm. want the most conservative people in there. So if they're super conservative already, Ted Cruz is a great example of this. No real need to primary him, right? We're already pretty happy with that seat. Yeah. Why waste resources trying to get better than Ted Cruz when you first of all, might be worse. Right. And secondly, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, probably doesn't make any sense anyway. So who's the most conservative? Then if we primary them, if we decide to come up with a candidate, can we actually win the primary? Is it one of these things that we're going to mm-hmm. throw a bunch of resources at a candidate who can't win? Or are we going to, do we have someone who's vulnerable and, and maybe can win? And finally, if we win the primary with our new conservative candidate, are they going to win the general? Or are we going to throw a moderate Republican out to get a liberal Democrat, which is not what we want? If you put a, you know, you get a conservative um, through, you know, the, the example that a lot of the left would use was, it was Delaware back there when it was Christine O'Donnell and Mike Castle. And Mike Castle looked like he was going to win the election if he won the primary. Instead, O'Donnell won the primary and then had basically no chance to win the actual election. And now we've been dealing with terrible Democrats in Delaware this whole time. Mm-hmm. So we want to avoid that situation if mm-hmm. it's possible. So here we go. Who's, who's the least conservative? Starting from the other side of the scale, the most conservative that is running right now. Ted Cruz was the most conservative. By the way, this is not just me guessing. This is all based on their voting records through multiple different rating agencies that do this. Ted Cruz was the most conservative, followed by Marsha Blackburn, Rick Scott, then John Barrasso, Deb Fisher, Josh Hawley. And the three least conservative were Roger Wicker from Mississippi, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota, and Mitt Romney 
from Utah. These Surprise! Are, these are all candidates coming up in 2024 for election. This is the time to do okay. something about these people. Right. Okay. So you're not going to, what's the point of replacing Cruz or Blackburn? They're doing a good job. Yeah. You don't want to. Romney, Kramer, Wicker on the other side. Now, if we uh, primary them, can we win the primary? All right. The way I did, I came up with this was basically what is the <laughs> approval rating in the state, right? What's their approval rating in the state among Republican voters? Okay. Mm. Do Republicans like these senators? If they love the senator, even if they're moderate, it's going to be hard to knock them off, right? If they don't like the senator, it's going to be easy to knock them off. So here we go. This is state approval rating by these nine senators that are running. Okay. John Barrasso in Wyoming, 79% approval is the highest. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Marsha Blackburn, 78% uh, in Tennessee. Ted Cruz, 75% in Texas. Again, it would be almost impossible to knock them out right. if you tried to. So what, you wouldn't want to waste your resources here. Then you have Kevin Kramer, who, as I mentioned, was one of the more liberal senators, but has a 73% approval rating in a state. Might be hard to knock off. Rick mm. Scott, 72%. Josh Hawley, 72%. Deb Fisher, 66%. Roger Wicker. And Roger Wicker, you might remember, uh, he was in the news recently because he was one of the Republicans who opposed the debt ceiling limit. You might say, well, mm. well that's pretty good. I want him to, to oppose that. No, he opposed it because we didn't spend enough money. <laughs> he wanted to spend more money. That was his complaint with the debt ceiling. Mm -hmm. He's at 63%. And I want to make sure we understand the range here. 79% to 63%. That's the entire range of all of the first eight candidates. The worst approval rating for Republicans in their state, Mitt Romney, 41%. He is 22 points behind every other candidate that is running for re-election in his party. That's it. He is massively vulnerable to a primary challenge if somebody good steps up and runs against him so you're saying there's a chance if they don't step up and Wouldn't run against them to get rid of him though? Mitt romney will win oh, if somebody good steps up very vulnerable wicker but vulnerable, so far nobody nobody has anybody stepped up in utah to challenge Mitt romney i've heard rumors haven't heard any voices yet haven't heard anyone actually doing it haven't heard anybody step up yet and really take that stand that's prominent. Again, you can't just throw anybody out there. What's the rumor? Romney's got lots of, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how gonna run? public that is, that it is at, this, at this time. But really? I, we need somebody because we can complain about Mitt Romney till the end of time. Is it but possible he is that? Incredibly vulnerable right now to a, a, to a primary challenge. All right. Okay. Hmm. Then let's go on to the next category. All right. <laughs> if we win the primary, can we win the general? Mm -hmm. So I rank these states by, um, you know, how easy it would be in the general Jason election. Jason Chaffetz. Is it Jason Chaffetz? It, that's not who it that's was. That's not who it no, was. it was not who it okay. was. Though he is, he Though was at one time. Right now, so. He's he, on Fox News. He, he could have absolutely beaten Orrin Hatch. Back in the day. That, that's when but that was that's rumored. that's not an issue anymore, so yeah. now we got to get yeah, I don't think Hatch, Romney. I don't think Hatch can win. I don't can think Hatch right cannot win. He right cannot now. win. No. I don't think so. I don't think he can do it. No. Okay. Uh, now, if we win the primary, can we win the general? So the <clears throat> you'd want this to be as easy as possible, right? Mm -hmm. The hardest state of these nine to win the general election is Rick Scott in Florida. Florida is mm -hmm. pretty much a red state at this point. Mm -hmm. So it only gets easier from here. Ted Cruz is the second most difficult on this list to win the general if you win the primary. Then it's Hawley, Wicker, Fisher, Romney. Um, Utah's fourth, by the way. Then you've got Blackburn, Kramer, and then Barrasso in Wyoming would be the easiest. The bottom mm -hmm. line here is every if you win the primary, you're basically going to win the general in these nine states. Mm -hmm. So 
Combine all these measures measures together, what do you get? Uh, the least likely for us, the least productive for us to primary would be Ted Cruz, then Rick Scott, then Marsha Blackburn. They, they, they I, I would say there's just no point. Don't primary them. Let them win. Mm-hmm. That's what I would say from a conservative mm-hmm. perspective. Next three, Josh Hawley, John Barrasso, and Deb Fisher in Nebraska. These three I'd put in the category of, if you have a really good candidate, go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you mm-hmm. have someone who's significantly better than those three, go for it. Though it might not be as easy and, and maybe not as productive. You might not get as many conservative gains as you might get against some of these other ones. The top three. Are you ready, Pat? If you're in these states, find somebody good to run against these people. Please, by all that is holy. You can do it. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, this map is absolutely there for you to get <laughs> through. You can, there is a path here. Number three, Roger Wicker. In Mississippi. Okay. Do we need moderate votes out of freaking Mississippi, Pat? I don't think so. Why? Why are we dealing with this? I don't know. This is insanity. We should have we should have a Ted Cruz or a Marsha Blackburn in Mississippi. It's a conservative question about South Carolina too, multiple times. Yeah. Why? Why do we have Lindsey Graham? Why? He's not up for re-election this time. But but again, why is somebody not primarying Lindsey Graham? That is a legitimate top-notch candidate every single time. Should be. Should be. Roger Wicker is a great example of this. He is, he's a Mitch McConnell guy. You complain about McConnell? Well, you should, you should do something about Wicker. They're the same person. Go out there and do something about him if you want. In fact, mm-hmm. I would argue McConnell's better than Wicker is. Number two on the list, Kevin Kramer from North Dakota. You might say, ah, North Dakota, I haven't put much thought into it, other than the obvious campaign of Doug Burgum for president. <laughs> I haven't put that much thought into North Dakota. Well, it's, except for Bergamentum is sweeping the country. Yeah, Bergamania is there, obviously. Yeah. But that, yeah. people, that's more of a Doug Burgum specific type of thing. <laughs> this is uh, the state of North Dakota. And look, it's still one of 100. And you may have never even heard of Kevin Kramer in North Dakota. And that's the problem. That's the problem. He's relatively popular in his state, but his voting record sucks. It really does. It's one of the worst in this field. And there's no reason there's somebody else in North Dakota who could step up and beat him in a primary, which mm-hmm. would be difficult. He'd be one of the most difficult to beat in the primary. But if you win the primary, you're going to win the general. If there's somebody good out there. Step up. Make your voice heard. Yeah. And number one by an, an, a chasm <laughs> that we can barely measure is Mitt Romney in Utah. He's unpopular among Republicans, the, Republicans in his state. Yeah. He is... When in, in your own party, only 41% mm-hmm. approve of the job you're doing? Yep. You're ripe for picking. Ripe for picking. Number two, he's in a state that Republicans basically can't lose, even if they try. Right. Right. Um, and number three, uh, he is the least conservative out of all the candidates by a pretty large margin. I mean, Wicker has a bad voting record. It's nothing compared to Mitt Romney. No, he's terrible. So it's terrible. This is, I think, incredibly clear. And the problem is we will spend the next six years bitching about Mitt Romney mm-hmm. and complaining about him while he's in office instead of doing something now while he's not. He can be thrown out. He can be thrown out. He can be defeated. Yes, he's got a famous name. Yes, he ran for president in 2012. Yes, he did something in the Olympics 900 years ago. So what? (laughs) He sucks as a senator. We all realize it. Why won't someone step up and do something about it? I don't know. Someone's got to do it. Pat, you know everybody in Utah. I know every single person. All three million people in Utah. I'm I'm very familiar with each one. Which one's the best one? Uh, Bob. 
Bob, Bob. Oh, yeah, Bob, Bob would be great, but he's not going to run. Great. He's not going to run. <laughs> Whoever Bob is. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. More coming up in one, well, couple of minutes. <sighs> I <laughs> tempted, but I won't. Okay, uh, a good real estate agent has a lot of uh, responsibility when it comes to buying or selling a home. It's kind of your biggest financial decision, right? Uh, you know, your biggest financial transaction, maybe of your entire life. That's how life works, right? You usually get a house, and then the next house is a little bit more expensive for a long series of purchases. That is a, a huge risk to your financial future. You got to have the right agent on your side. What's the best area to live in? What's the best street to live on? What has the what, what connects to the right school district? All these questions are really, really important. Not to mention, if you want to sell your home, how do you get the most money out of it? Honestly, how do you market it the right way? Realestateagentsitrust.com goes through. They sort through all these agents, just like kind of how I did sort through all these candidates, right? They, they actually, they don't, you don't just vote based on are they a realtor or not. Because only real estate agents can be realtors or only realtors can be real estate agents or whatever the phrase is. But the bottom line is realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find the best real estate agent in your area. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Join the conversation. 888-727-BECK. The Glenn Beck Program. It's Pat and Stu. We were just talking about uh, vulnerable Republicans who are terrible in office and should be primaried. And the biggest name on that list, Mitt Romney. Yes, definitely he needs Romney to go. is he's, the number one. Gotta go. By every measure. Uh, and, you know, there's some rumors about people who may be thinking about primarying him. One is uh, Riverton Mayor Trent Staggs. Riverton's a... Uh, suburb of salt lake city okay so there's there's trent Staggs. is he in the race or is he r- he is rumored? no okay he is uh rumored to be entering the race okay uh also house utah house speaker brad wilson okay he set up an exploratory committee in april and they do mention jason chaffetz mm-hmm. uh chase chaffetz says he's thinking about it hmm. okay yeah, that's an interesting, that's interesting option there mm-hmm. uh he was very well loved when he was a congressman right when he was a congressman yeah. early in the you know early the uh, late 2000s I and guess. he's 2009, been 2009 2010 ish yeah he was kind of in that tea party era and he's yeah. spent a lot of time now as a, a fox news right. commentator so since. he's still high profile mm-hmm. and then uh attorney general sean reyes which you guys have had on the air multiple times. Yeah, right? he's been he's been great on the air. He's been right on everything I've heard him speak about. Uh, really solid. Understands the Constitution. He, I mean, I don't know if he's going to run. I've heard rumors of that um, that he was considering it. I mm-hmm. hope he does jump in because he'd be a great candidate. And you know, he's, he's got. I don't know. It's tough to be. Do you have a state profile if you're a mayor of a, of a city? You might. You know, some people that's mm-hmm. that certainly can work, but it might be more difficult. You need someone with a. State profile, Chaffetz and Reyes both have that. Yeah. Um, what was he like? Brad, uh, uh, the Speaker of the House. Yeah, Brad Wilson. Wilson. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's on that level maybe. too. Somebody's got to step in here. This is a winnable race. They don't even mention Bob, though. Your friend Bob? Yeah, my friend Bob. Well, you Bob. know all, all everyone yeah. in Utah. So. Well, 3.2 million Bob. or whatever. Ben. But Bob is great. Uh, not even a mention no. in this does, article. Does Bob have a last name? 
Well, sure he does. But you just don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. You're on a first name basis. Right, exactly. Meaning for you, you don't know his last name. I met him. Uh, All right. Well, I'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Stu will not. I will not. I'm off on vacation. Glenn is back Monday, and and, uh, we'll see you next week as well. The Glenn Back Program. Getting yourself and your family out of debt has always been important to a sound family budget, but I think you'll agree it's now crucial. This economy is accelerating fast towards chaos, and you don't want to have a bunch of debt when that train comes off the tracks. Obviously, you know, cut the bills where you are spending a bunch of extra money, like the interest on credit cards. You're probably already paying 15, if you're lucky, 20, 22%. Credit card rates are variable, and you're only going